Welcome to Sunday School Dropouts, the podcast where an ex-Christian and a non-believing sort of Jew read all the way through the Bible for the first time. I'm Lauren O'Neill. And I'm Nico Bakulich. And let's get biblical. This time, I'll allow it. Some things you gotta know real quick. I'm the ex-Christian, and I am now an atheist, and I'm reading the New International Version of the Bible. And I'm the non-believing sort of Jew. Also, this is not a Christian Bible study podcast. And it's not for children. And what Bible are you reading, baby? I continue to read the Oxford NRSV, New Revised Standard Version of the Bible. And you just found a little bonus hiding in that Bible. Oh my, yes. The last like hundred pages are like tables and essays that I really... Could have ne- used earlier. I could have used earlier, but... Uh, it's also a moment of growth for me because when we started this, I could have never imagined finding a hundred pages of tables and essays about <laughs> at the back of my Bible and being like, oh man, that's great. <laughs> I wish I had read this. <laughs> but here we are. Um, so today we're talking about, today we're talking about the book of Second John, if it can be called a book. This book is so short. It's actually the second shortest How book. How short is it? How short is it? Is it's less than a page long, and it's so short that I don't have any notes. Do you know how insubstantial something has to be for me not to have notes? That you take notes on Riverdale. I'm a, a compulsive note taker. Today I'm free balling it because that's how shitty this book is. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of thought, you know, when we did Obadiah, which is the shortest book in the Old Testament, mm-hmm. and we, we read the whole thing out loud mm-hmm. with our guest, Sarah Griffin. And I thought, oh, well, we could do that again. But you know what? I'm not going to put anyone through that. Why? Because there's nothing to this book. No. It's the uh, second Johannine epistle. Mm -hmm. See, I can do fast facts that don't even need notes. Supposedly written by the disciple John, but, you know, presumably that's not true. Uh, Possibly written by the same person who wrote first John, but probably not either. Um, uh, What else do you need to know? I think that's it. Yeah. Coin of Greek is what we see. Yeah. <laughs> Probably around the year 100. Mm-hmm. Um, and it basically just advances one theological point, mm-hmm. which is that Christ was a human. He for sure had a body. He had a body. He was not a hologram, and he was not like a human body that a spirit inhabited, like the like the, the Jesus spirit inhabited. He was a regular human who was also, at the same time, a regular god. Right. So we didn't really talk about it much in First John, or at least in any significant depth. But one proposal for the purpose of some of this literature, including First John and Second John, I suppose, is to combat the docetic idea of the Lord, which is the things that you just described. Yes. Which you may remember from some of our episodes where we talked more about Gnostic yes. stuff. That was that was a key... Uh, Gnostic belief, and I've got to believe that this book is in here for no other reason than to counter Gnostics. Right. The only mildly interesting thing about it is that it's addressed to a lady. Mm-hmm. It's like, dear lady, mm-hmm. um, which is interesting because it shows that there were like women in the early church who were at least... Important enough to, like, receive a letter about theology, but it's also pretty mansplainy, you know? It's just like, dear lady, uh, I'm here to tell you 
that Jesus was a human. And if you don't believe that, you're the Antichrist and don't let anyone tell you differently. Okay, bye. Right. So I have some bad news for you. What's that? Which is that I think the popular scholarly consensus is that this is not addressed to a lady at all. What? That properly sort of interpreted and translated, it's addressed to a church. Oh, my God. That, really? Yeah, that elder lady refers to either a specific church that he's addressing or to the church in general. Oh, I read that, like, there's a tradition that it was written to Mary, mother of Jesus. That is also a, a possible interpretation, but... I mean, that's clearly not true, but... Well, the only problem with that is... The only problem? The Yeah, the main problem. The main problem is that the historical dating of when the proto-Orthodox and Gnostic churches were in conflict mm-hmm. is very uh, unclear. Yeah, yeah like They knows. don't have any really yeah. good documentation about when Gnosticism started to become a problem for the early church. Right. And if he was addressing it to Mary, it would Mary, Mother of God, that is, it would probably have to be written very early. Yeah, yeah. Probably earlier than Gnosticism wasn't a real concern for the right. church. Also, just like it isn't actually by the disciple John and like that, like that's just a Mary Sue thing, a Mary, a Mary mother of God Sue thing. Mm-hmm. Um, this book has so little content that I, you know, I went to my Bibles often uh, very, um, what's the word? Uh, ridiculous footnotes. Mm-hmm. I would say also bad. Uh, yeah, bad would be another one. Um, and, you know, so there's a couple footnotes about... Uh, Dealing with the Gnostic heresy. Mm-hmm. And then... Uh, or the Hostic heresy, as the it's called these heresy. days. The, uh, at the end of this letter, John says, I have much to write you, but I do not want to use paper and ink. And he says, instead, I'll, uh, I'll visit you and talk with you face to face. And here's the footnote on that from my Bible. <clears throat> paper was made from papyrus reeds, <laughs> which were readily available and cheap. The ink was made by mixing carbon, water, and gum or oil. Beautiful. That was how desperate my Bible was for footnotes, that they decided to explain what paper and ink are. I grabbed my my Tyndale's New Testament. This is the first uh, important translation of the Bible into English by William Tyndale in 1534. He was uh, burned at the stake for it. And I thought, but was it worth it? Is the question. I mean, to him, it was. Mm. He was like on the, you know, he was like the flames were like licking high. Actually, he was strangled to death and then burned at the stake, so he wasn't alive for the fire part. But before he was being strangled, he was like, "Hey, fuck the Pope," <laughs> and so I think it was worth it to him. Got it. Uh, I thought, you know, this must be, this must be spicy if somebody got burned for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, however, there is literally nothing in here. It's, there's not even like funny old fashioned English. It's nothing. Cool. Well, I mean, we appreciate you coming in. Um, oh, um, Gnostics are the Antichrist again. It uses that same thing from first John Antichrist. John, Um, John does tell the church not to even receive any of the Gnostics into the house. Yeah. Don't let them in. Just don't let them in. They're the Antichrist. So uh, then I, I opened up the Faith Girls Bible. Mm-hmm. It's, um, for anybody who, who isn't familiar, it is a pink Bible with the text uh, mainly in purple. And it has uh, lots of nice little um, sidebars and callouts and such 
for the adolescent or young girl reading the Bible. Uh, and so I'm just going to read the um, little introduction page. Uh, you can see that it's bright pink, Nico, uh, with a little like bird on a fancy like filigree. Oh, I can confirm that. Um, I'm just going to read it. Let's say somebody announces that she believes in crystals instead of Jesus. Which of these things would you say to her? You are so not going to heaven. B, then I guess we can't be friends anymore. C, tell me all about this crystal thing. Hopefully you didn't choose any of those. <laughs> wow, thanks. <laughs> thanks for tricking me. <laughs> in this letter to every Christian he could reach, John explains how to deal with people who don't believe in God's son. He does it without being mean or snotty or getting sucked in. It's good stuff to know. What the hell? He says don't even let him into the house. They're the Antichrist. How is that not mean? Yeah, I was I was having trouble squaring that with, you know, the idea of radical forgiveness and of, you know, preaching even to people that don't believe what you what you have to say, because it should be truly trying to convert them. Right. That that should be the goal and forgiving them for their for their heresy, for their heresy, not just being like, hey, by the way, they're dead to you. Uh... (laughs) I mean, I understand that's not the most effective tactic for the shaping of a young church. It's just funny that this Maybe is like this is one of those sins that leads to death, quote unquote. Mm. Um, here are some. But other... it's all so gray, even so so soon after Jesus's death, you know. Yeah, yeah, it's like it immediately became like they, too they, much to handle. They became about tactics rather than strategy, right? You know. Um, here's some little facts from the Second John intro in the Faith Girls Bible. Who wrote it? John, the disciple of Jesus. When was it written? Around eighty ninety, A.D. Anno Domini ninety. Where it takes place, unknown, but John was probably writing to friends in churches in Asia. Cool characters you'll meet, John and the chosen lady and her children. Bad guys to watch out for, deceivers and antichrist. Yep, just gotta keep an eye out for AC. Uh, and there's nothing else uh, interesting to say. Can you can you contribute anything from the boys' Bible? Is I can't. There, is I have there the, anything. Oh, I have the. What can we squeeze from this rock? I have the matching Bible to complete the set. Yes. Uh, this one is is great because it really addresses what, in, in my view, in a very short passage, is the most controversial part, which is the part where they don't welcome believers in deceitism in into the church. Mm-hmm. Well, they're not really believers there the antichrist but but keep going (laughs) right it says being a christian is like swimming upstream against the current if you keep paddling you'll keep moving ahead but if you stop even for a second you'll be pulled back john encourages you to keep swimming so that quote you do not lose what you have worked for if anyone tries to distract you from god's teaching do not take him into your house or welcome him John was telling Christians not to provide lodging for false traveling teachers. He wasn't condemning hospitalities to unbelievers in general. So that doesn't mean that you shouldn't let your cousin into your house if he has strange religious ideas. (laughs) You know, we all got that one cousin. We all got that one cousin. It's good to reach out to others. But if you spend too much time with him, you'll end up compromising. Soon you'll stop swimming and the current will drag you back downriver like a dead Mm. fish. Whoa. That's why close friendship should be only with genuine believers. Whoa. As Proverbs 13:20 says, he who walks with the wise grows wise, but a companion of fools suffers harm. That's a pretty interesting twisting of Proverbs. <laughs> to be about Jesus, yeah. To be about like whether you hold specific ideas about like 
the physical manifestation of Jesus. Also, in a book that we regularly mock for the ridiculousness of its callouts, do you think like the, these sections contain actual wisdom? Like, or am I spending more right. time yeah, with like, fools here? Is this fools? Is this fucking skateboarding scorpion crab a fool? <laughs> That's a good. I mean, I wouldn't call him a fool to his face. <laughs> that guy, <laughs> that guy's really cool. He'll pinch you. <laughs> but yeah, so I mean, it's good to know, I guess, that you can never be true friends with a non-believer. Yeah, this is this was um, a big topic in my youth group and in every youth group. I'm mm-hmm. sure you gotta. Everybody's got to figure out whether you're allowed to be friends with people at school who aren't Christians. And what's the consensus? Like, the, I think the general consensus is yes, but you have to try to convert them. Oh, seems like a rigged game. Because you know? <laughs> a lot of things about Christianity <laughs> seem like a rigged game. How close can you really get to somebody if you're trying to convert them, or if you're sure that they're going to hell? Um, like you won't get to be buddies forever in heaven. So why even invest any time in that friendship? Because like. It's your responsibility to, like, bring people to Christ. Mm. It's your responsibility to evangelize, hence evangelicals. Mm. And that's it. That's all of the Second John content, content commentary, context, the, the, quad, the quad C's, as I call them. Because if you spell quad with a C, C-W-A-D. Why would you do that? Quad. To make, to make, to make four C's. <laughs> that's, um, that's why it's the quad. Like a duck in a frat instead of being chad he's quad (laughs) that's what that's what you've just created Um, top-notch content what what are we gonna do now are we gonna uh write a better version of second john that should go in the bible instead oh we we can try freestyle a rap we can also try that second john and i'm here to say Jesus came to Earth in a physical way. <laughs> That's great. Okay, check that off the list. He wasn't a hologram. He wasn't a mirage. He was uh, in the flesh, like Nicki Minaj. <laughs> See, I'm ready. I'm ready for my rap career. This to is incredible. Off. I think you just checked both things off the list. <laughs> what? What were the two things? Uh, writing a better version of Oh Second yeah. John and freestyle rapping. You're right, Second John. Um. Uh, that took less than a minute. To- <laughs> okay, I just need a few more rhymes here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, don't be a deceiver or antichrist. Uh, just believe in Jesus and be nice. That's great. That's great. That's great, right? Yeah, that's awesome. It's, this is like, put me in the fucking studio. I'm ready. But you are in the studio, but you're also ready. Great. What the hell are we going to do now? Uh I was thinking, there's a certain particular kind of hell that is having to produce a podcast, but having absolutely nothing to say. <laughs> do, you, do you think that's going to be our, uh, our punishment when we go to hell for the blasphemy contained in this podcast? It'll there's, just be like making this show. Making this show, but... <laughs> but like, we can only use Second John. <laughs> <laughs> just every week. A full hour of... A full hour of Second John every week. A full hour week. of Second John every week. I mean, that'd be pretty mild, all things considered. Would it? Would it? I don't know. I I don't know anymore. I don't know anymore. If this has to be a 20-minute episode of the show, it has to be a 20-minute episode of the show. Okay. Um. Why don't we, let's see, speak one word at a time and we'll write a new book of Second John. Sounds okay? great. Dear. Lady. I. Hope. That. You. Are. Doing. 
strangely well <laughs> have you tried not being so ugly this is going great <laughs> i just checked and this is actually going great is it better it's is it any worse than second john one time a small man arrived from galicia his deal was that he loved jesus <laughs> all right i feel like we kind of went off the rails on that <laughs> no one from galicia would ever love jesus let's wrap it up let's wrap it up okay uh when i saw you drinking the lugubrious blood of our enemy i rejoiced great not <laughs> really in keeping with the rest of the letters but overall it's better than the original better than the original so we could do better our, our, ourselves we could improve our process, I think. Yeah. But we're on the right track. We're on the right track. We just need to workshop it a little. Which we will do off the air. All right. Let's take a break. And when we come back, we'll have an interview that has uh, nothing to do with Second John. Nothing to do with Second John, but is much better than Second John. Uh, which is saying nothing. No, that's, that's I mean, it's my I mean, promise <laughs> to you. That's literally the easiest thing in the world to do. But I've promised it. Great. See you in a second. Bye. Okay. Bye. Welcome back to Sunday School Dropouts. I'm Lauren. And I'm Nigo. And we have a special guest with us on the phone right now. She is a disability and queer issues activist from the Pacific Northwest, the former social media director of the Coalition for Responsible Home Education, and currently works as a freelance podcast producer. Bree May, welcome to the show. Hi, Lauren. Hi, Nico. Hello. Hi. Thanks so much for coming on. I'm thrilled to be here. And uh, so... You're just going to chat with us about some stuff, not about Second John, because there's nothing to talk about in Second John. Unless by some miracle you have <laughs> some very specific piece nope, of Second I, John I related. I read it a couple days ago because I thought you might ask me about it, even though Lauren promised not to. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and I had no opinions. I tried so hard. We sympathize. Yeah, we, we've been trying hard for the past half hour <laughs> in our first half of our show, and it hasn't worked. So, 
Um, we will start off by asking you the same question we ask all our guests, which is, what is your religious background? Vast. And... <laughs> <laughs> A, a, a complex tapestry. Um, I when I was really little, I was I went to Baptist churches, and then um, we sort of skipped around my family. Uh, and the the majority of the church that I remember was at an Evangelical Presbyterian church. Oh no, the worst of both worlds. And <laughs> uh, yeah, um, yeah, you don't move while you're singing. That's really important. No. Presbyterian churches. Certainly not. Yeah. I grew up Presbyterian. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> you understand And I sang then. in the worship band also. So. Okay. <laughs> you can do like a, a little, um, a light swaying back and yeah, forth. Yeah, your feet can't move. Your feet can't move. That's true. No. It, it should move. just be your upper body. <laughs> And not any of the sexy bits. <laughs> yeah, and if someone sort of like coughs behind you, you have to stop. They clearly don't like it. Anyway, um, I also was in Awana Club. Do you know what Awana is? Um, I do. Nico, I do. do you? I have no idea. That's not one of those math study schools, is it? No. Okay. Well, it's not far Awana. off. Okay. <laughs> Uh, the word Awana is all caps, and it stands for Approved Workmen Are Not Ashamed. It is a, they say they're a non-denominational Bible club for. program. <laughs> wow. Okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I was a really big Awana nerd, I, and, and my, yeah, I was really annoying as a kid about Awana, because it was my one social thing that I did. I was homeschooled, and all church church events were pretty much my only socialization. So I was, I just went real hardcore about all of it. Um, Awana is a Bible club and it focuses a lot on Bible memorization. So you're getting the word of God into your heart and they, they hope that that's going to mean that you behave. And they're going to quiz you on it. Yes. So I, I took, um, I took Awana a little further than most kids. Most kids like they maybe finish the book and they maybe learn like 24 verses in a year maybe um i did a wanna bible quizzing um all four years of high school and what that entailed was memorizing pretty much every word in the handbook and the handbook isn't just the bible it is also a wanna's interpretation of the bible so i was uh memorizing their specific definitions of words and I was memorizing facts that they gave in the text of the books, not the Bible, the books, and then um, hmm. whatever number of Bible verses they were having you memorize that year. So paint us a picture. What what happens at one of these Awana Bible quizzing events? Gosh, where do I start with this? This is amazing because I haven't thought about um, like the details of the quizzing world for so long and it was such an important part of my life um, you quiz in teams I was on teams of four usually and uh, you get all dressed up in some sort of usually teams would match um, Awana has this weird thing where they have four color teams like when you play games okay. and, that, and my team sure. each of us dressed in one of the Awana colors 
because we were all like teachers pet types my entire class was my entire uh quiz team was like that so it's, it's I like, can't imagine why it would select for those types of people. <laughs> it's like this Awana version of patriotism, the uh, red, blue, green, yellow. And that's this. Oh, I thought it was going to be a color for each letter of Awana. You no, know, it's like, like pri- it's primary artichoke. colors plus green. White. No. Apricot. <laughs> nude. No, we and... looked like crayons. <laughs> we looked like crayons up on that stage. Yeah, so... um. First, there's a multiple choice round. So you have little paddles and you uh, raise A, B, or C. Um, and then the second half is buzzing in and answering questions. So they'll either be uh, either the wording doesn't matter if it's not a Bible verse, and it does matter if it is a definition of a word or a Bible verse. How how far did you uh, take your Awana career? Like, what was your what was your record of wins to losses? Um, every single year that I quizzed, my team won our like regionals, and then we won uh, sectionals, and then we went on and placed pretty high at nationals. So every every year of high school, I ended up going to either Chicago or uh, Florida. So there was a point in your life where you were like a Bible expert, or at least um, an expert in I, this one type of interpretation of the Bible. Yes. Oh, that that was also important is what uh, version you quizzed in. Um, and I believe that different, different teams could choose what uh, version they were quizzing in, but mine was always New King James version. And you pretty much, our team was hardcore, so our coaches were like, you can never read another uh, version of the Bible, because if you do, then you're going to mess up your word perfect in your Bible verses. Wow. Yeah, that was a big deal. You couldn't just change one word over. No, had to be word perfect. Um, there was, this is the funny thing about Awana Bible quizzing is some other Bible quizzers would look down on it because you don't learn quite as many verses. I had people who did, um, a different kind of quiz where you would memorize full chapters of the Bible, or even uh, some of them learned full books. I know you could do it with Second John. <laughs> <laughs> each each year, those uh, those denomination quizzes would pick like one shorter uh, book of the Bible, usually from the New Testament, and they would learn the whole thing. Damn. Um. So, what is your relationship with the Bible like now? Like um, <laughs> you, you basically knew everything about the bible at one point do you still retain that at all i retain a lot of it um i have i cannot recite any of the verses anymore um one of the strange things that quiz did for me was that it actually separated me a lot from having any sort of feeling about the text whatsoever um Hmm. interesting yeah i don't think that's the intention (laughs) but um and i think this was the case for others that i quizzed with as well you start seeing it as just its pieces and just um, things to memorize yeah there's there's not much that it's speaking to you when you're you're just thinking about the specific individual words and whether or not they are right um and this was, I feel I feel like my relationship with the Bible now is similar to what it's been my entire life. It's just that I'm a lot more honest about it now. 
um, it doesn't make me feel a lot. And if it makes me, hmm. me feel something, it makes me feel conflicted. Um, I, I never had super strong feelings about it any differently than I do about any other book now. I think I can go into any book now and find something that's meaningful to me that I can, um, or something that I really disagree with and that bothers me. And I can go into the Bible and have that same experience, but um, if there's no spiritual difference for me. So you're no longer in the church, is that correct? It's very complicated, I would say. <laughs> it is, I think, for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. And yeah. we've talked to many of them on this show. Yeah, it's hard for me to say that I've left it behind because um, uh, my partner still attends church hmm. um, and works there. And so many of my friends are still in the church. And because I was homeschooled and that was like, that was almost my entire social structure was just churches. It's very hard for me to say I've left that behind because that's my home culture. That's mm -hmm. it's, it's maybe the only social situation that I truly understand is being in a church. That said, I don't participate in church. I don't attend church. Um, and I, I, I don't like being in them so i i for all intensive purposes yeah i i have left the church but it's it's a place that still holds a lot of emotional power over me so you might say the church hasn't left you <laughs> yeah i don't think it can i'm nico baculich <laughs> um so if you if you want to to the extent that you um feel comfortable talking about it would you like to tell us about your journey out oh it's been very interesting and and i think it's obviously from what i just said it's it's ongoing um i think that i actually started um separating myself back when i was a teenager uh when i was 15 i was in a car accident um, and I was, uh, not severely injured, but I was injured in such a way that's never healed back problems and, and lots of pain and sickness. Um, and it became very hard for me to attend every Sunday. And that was very difficult for my parents to get their heads around. But I started realizing on the weeks that I did, that they did allow me to stay home. I was, I enjoyed it. I, I was actually glad that I had that much pain mm. that day that I couldn't go. And I started realizing just just how negatively it was affecting me to go somewhere that I didn't fully um, like understand the feelings of the people around me and why they cared this much. And yeah, I started separating back then. And since then, it's been just a long process of finding, let's see how many weeks I can go without attending. Um, and that went on while I was an older teen and I, I still enthusiastically went to Awana because it was friends. It was friendships and it was, quizzing. um, yeah, quizzing. And I loved the competition and I liked being good at something and getting positive feedback because man, <laughs> yes, you want to get being the teacher's pet. <laughs> you want to get positive feedback from a christian as a young person is you tell them you're a bible quizzer absolutely man they love you i can still get points off of that it's done nothing else for me in life 
like nothing. <laughs> <laughs> a bunch of money I could have been saving for college went to flights every year to nationals. Um, and so much time studying went to memorizing Awana's interpretation of Romans. But um, uh, that was the beginning of the journey. And then once I turned 18, uh, my parents had a little less sway. They, they didn't exactly tell me I had to go to church. Um, but I, I had a little bit of a revival when I was around 19 or 20 because I was getting to know my partner and he went to church, but he went to a completely different kind of church. He went to a Pentecostal denomination called Foursquare. So they believed in things like tongues and prophecy. All these things that I had learned were dead. <laughs> oh, yeah. Presbyterians yeah. consider that all, you know, yeah. totally it's just rad. a little gauche. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's in the it's in First uh, Corinthians 13, that, that chapter that I memorized. Yes. And but, Paul is like, yeah, yeah. he's where there are prophecies, they will cease where there are tongues, they will be stilled where there is knowledge, it will pass away. Um, I guess I still know some of it. Um, (laughs) yeah. So the Pentecostal churches believe that's still a, a, a power of the Holy, Holy Spirit that you can tap into. And I was very intrigued by this because it was something new. It was some, wasn't something I'd heard before or experienced. And I had a little bit of a, revi- a revival there, finding new kinds of church people to connect with, a new social avenue to explore. Um, but that did not last long, really. And But the relationship did. We're still together now. We're married. <laughs> We've been married for two years. Um, nice. Congratulations. Thank you. And it's kind of fun um, because he's had some similar experiences to me, sort of drawing away from the church. Um, he's still a Christian. I'm a who knows what. Uh, I, I don't have a label for my for my own uh, spiritual state. but That's okay. You don't need one. I kind of like it that way. I'm really enjoying not having a word. I don't know if I want to look for one. I sympathize with that a lot. Yeah. Because yeah, when we had when we were starting this show, it was very clear that Lauren is an ex Christian. I'm an atheist. Right. Very easy to label. Very yeah. easy to label. Um, and while I wasn't like raised with any significant religion, I didn't f- feel super great about calling myself an atheist just because mm-hmm. there's like a caricature of atheists on the internet, yes. especially yes. white guy atheists. <laughs> for sure. And I was like, well, you know, I mean, like. Technically, it's probably true, but it's not how I would like to self-identify because it, it it always means more than just what you believe. It's not perfectly clear. It's it doesn't represent your actual state of mind or like history accurately if you use a really loaded word like that. Yeah, I think there are lots of people who feel that way about the label Christianity. Now, I know a lot mm-hmm. of friends who are, I mean, technically Christians. They believe in. Uh, the Christian God and they believe that Jesus saves them but Mm -hmm. they don't want to use the word Christian because the amount of baggage it comes with is it's it's, yeah it's just a lead it's a sack of lead (laughs) like and people ascribe to it very specific things and rightly so I'm not gonna argue with that there's baggage that Christianity deserves yeah, the other day we were like talking about somebody. We were like, "Yeah, she's a Christian, but she's like nice." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then, 
And then we were like, oh, that those are supposed to be like very similar things, you know. Yeah. You're not supposed to have to say she's Christian, but she's nice. Yeah. She's Christian and she like acts it. Yeah. <laughs> but also that that can mean a different yeah, it's very complicated. Definitely. Difficult label. Um I know you've tweeted some about like really conservative things that you were brought up with i I mean which ones um Um, i guess the one i think i started following you after you started tweeting about um like the gender roles that you were raised with well a lot of things oh (laughs) jeez gender roles is just such a huge topic um I definitely don't fit a lot of things that um, my mother in particular probably would have liked me to. Um, I was very good for a long time at pretending I liked things like, uh, I don't know, feminine clothing, like dresses and uh, florals or whatever. Um, Uh And also a certain kind of meekness that that was sort of expected of me as a girl in the church um i don't fit those things naturally i'm i'm kind of a very assertive and bullheaded person um and i also really like where he hates like, flowers <laughs> i love flowers just not on my body <laughs> simply geometric patterns for me yeah. please not on my bed sheets not on my body um <laughs> That sounds like a political slogan right. for something. <laughs> uh, yeah, but I like I dress more masculinely. I have short hair now. I go to a, I go to a barber, not a stylist. Ooh. Yeah, and the the way I related to other people was never never the way that my mother and and the church generally wanted me to. I was definitely too assertive for the church leaders and Sunday school or school teachers that came in contact with me. They didn't know quite what to do with me. Um and the feeling How did was that mutual. relate <laughs> the feeling was mutual. How did that relate to um like Bible quizzing? Because it seems like um, you know, they're kind of encouraging you to be an authority and to be assertive about um spirituality. That's true. With that I never really thought about it that way, but that's definitely a way that I was able to um, assert my personality in a way that it was acceptable and actually rewarded socially. Interesting. Um, definitely. Uh, it, it was not rewarded as much in rehearsals, I would say, as it was uh, <laughs> on stage. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. And then you, you've also tweeted about homeschooling and... Um... I know from from your bio that you used to be, um, I guess, like professionally involved in some sort of homeschooling related thing. Would you care to explain that further? Yeah, um, this is actually a, one of the most positive things that's come out of my homeschool experience. I I, I would say that um, my experience was somewhat negative with homeschooling. It just was not right for me as a person in the way I learned. I had. Um, undiagnosed ADHD and I did not realize that until the last year or two um Uh, yes but the coalition from women a lot that they aren't diagnosed yeah when they're kids yeah nobody's diagnosing the girls um well it it manifests get on that (laughs) (laughs) it's it's a lot better now from what I understand but um 
Yeah, it manifests differently. Like the hyperactive, the hyperactivity can manifest differently. Not always, but can mm. in a way that isn't as recognizable. But uh, yeah, yeah, the Coalition for Responsible Home Education is a um, a nonprofit organization that is uh, advocating for protective policy for homeschooled children um, because most. Most states in the United States, it's based in the United States, most states in the United States don't have almost any policy that protects homeschool children from disappearing or not being educated at all. Um, and there's a lot of abuse that can hide behind homeschooling. It doesn't mean homeschooling itself is abusive, but um, because of the way the law works in the U- United States, lots of really sad neglect and abuse can happen and i was their social media director for <laughs> nice a couple of years um and i just recently um left just due to some health and busyness and financial issues so would you characterize your experience with homeschooling as abusive <laughs> that term could be obviously really loaded yeah i guess i'm thinking of um we've had a guest a couple times named Christopher Stroop. I don't know if you know him yes. on Twitter. Yes. Very um, and he talks about his experience growing up as spiritual abuse. Mm-hmm. Um, not that like his parents were abusing him in the way that that's usually meant, but just that like the environment was so toxic that he sees it as abuse. Um, that yeah, that's a really difficult uh, distinction to make for me. Uh Sure. I feel that for for in my specific situation, it was rather educational neglect, hmm. um, which is a term that that's that's a a legal term. That is a hmm. thing. Um, it's not often talked about, and it's very hard to define. Uh, specifically hard to define because there just isn't policy in place that defines it really. Um, for homeschool children and uh, specifically, I was um, not taught adequately. I, most of my schooling was after a certain age was just me with a textbook. There was no teaching. I was teaching myself. Um, and because of that, I really didn't learn a lot of math after I failed algebra one three times in a row and um as far as science i learned from science textbooks entirely by uh christian scientists i, I, I have <laughs> a hard mark? time quote unquote that word. yeah <laughs> um so i missed a lot of things that were either um flat out i i was tweeting about this the other day that i think i sent you lauren um Yes. I found I found a an old textbook of mine that was about dinosaurs, and it was about this one um, species of dinosaur that probably explains all of the myths about dragons, according to this quote unquote scientist, because it had uh, it's the one with like the hollow horn in its head. I forget. Yeah, like a a parasaurolophus or maybe a sure hadrosaur. Some, something like that. Yeah. Oh, dino girl is here. <laughs> Lauren's an expert. You didn't have my textbook. Uh. <laughs> I was reading like real dino science. 
So oh, I'm so jealous. Quizzing at so National jealous. Dino Quiz Society. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, I should have. That would have been wow. Amazing. I wonder if that's a thing now. Okay, I'm gonna Google that right after this. Just Google um, Dino Quiz. Nationals. Dino Quiz. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. So my textbook decided that. Well, it was probably a dragon. It probably that that hole in its head was probably for shooting flames. Yeah, makes sense. Mm-hmm. And that also. Seems- this goes back to why evolution has to be fake because how would you evolve as an animal if you have fire in your head? If you're so, it's like we <laughs> like just made up this thing and you're all dead. We <laughs> just made up this completely ridiculous thing, yeah. and the only way it could happen is if evolution isn't real. Therefore, evolution isn't real. Yeah, but I think I think that's um, that's a big problem for people who grow up uh, Christian and homeschooled is that you don't have access to things that give you any other, uh, any other theories. Other than, yeah. So there isn't, I think there, there's no way around calling that a form of brainwashing. There's no perspective. Hmm. There's just, you're handed this and this is what you believe. And there's no reason to question it. No reason whatsoever. You don't have contacts Lots of us didn't have contacts outside of our immediate family and our churches, maybe our homeschool co-op. So uh, I learned like a yeah, lot that's... of a lot of anti-science, and I learned um, some racist things from history books. Oh, um, good! Yeah, even better. Uh huh. I, I, um, my economic and government American government classes was. One class smushed together for one thing, but also uh, very right wing. Um, and I'm. You think still... they would want the American government out of the economy? But <laughs> well, I have I have handouts from that class that are horrifying, and it's like twelve points that have to do with the way God wants the economy to work, and most of it <laughs> has to do with giving right. money to the church, and you work for your money or you don't have money. And um, a, a lot of ableist stuff and a lot of, yeah. Of course. It, it, it's, it was rough to read because I forget that that's just, I, that's what I was inhaling all the time. That was the mm-hmm. only thing I had available to me as air um, as a child and a teen. Yeah, for me, like I was raised that I wasn't supposed to believe in evolution, but I went to public school in California and we learned evolution. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, oh, okay. That's Got pretty it. much settled. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like you can't pass biology unless. Right. Yeah. That's that's my party trick is is asking people who went to public school what they learned. And then <laughs> Oh, my God. Mine. Every week I learned something that I learned completely wrong when I was like, young. Can you give us some examples? Oh, God. Um, <laughs> it, the thing is that I sort of block them from my mind. As soon as I find out something, I'm like, oh, God, I have to forget about this whole thing. Because <laughs> um, sometimes it's embarrassing. My American government class in particular. Um, oh, I can I can tell you an example. Um, I thought um, Nelson Mandela was like a bad person. Until he died, oh. and I thought, yeah, no, for real. I thought he was awful. I didn't know anything about him, but my instant, um, uh, like, relation to him was, like, negative because that's what I was taught. And then when he died, died? 
Was that what happened? In yes. The, in the year two, in the year two thousand, <laughs> as we all know. Oh, oh according to um, the Mandela effect. Right. <laughs> no, yeah, he did actually die recently. Yes. Right. Yeah. Yes. So he died. People were and people like I loved and respected and new friends of mine were posting. Um, sad things and memorials and um quotes and things and i was like what is happening i thought that i thought no and 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 so i had to re-educate myself completely in the space of like 12 hours because this was really confusing and embarrassing and it, it it's there's so many things that i learned that i don't even know i need to examine it's all just woven into um you know my formative years and all these automatic knee-jerk reactions that I don't realize were built by someone else. Well, thank you so much for talking to us, Brie. Uh, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, they can find me at the Brie May on Twitter. Uh, Spell that out for us. At the B-R-E-E-M-A-E. You're right. That is a weird spelling of May, isn't it? Um, and that's about it. At the moment. That's a good one. Classic choice. <laughs> that one's enough. <laughs> My internet presence has been pared down slowly over the past two years, and I'm living a better life for it. Well, congratulations. Lucky you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> All right. Thanks so much for talking with us. Bye-bye. Thanks, Bree. Bye. Bye. I think there's only one thing left to do, and that's to rate this book. All right. I'm going to give it. None out of zero nothings because there's nothing. Wow. How about you? I think I'm going to give it like, see, I'm really torn because I want to give it. Rip torn? I'm actually rip torn. Whoa. No. Huge if true. Keep your mouth shut during okay. the rating process. Okay. Sorry. This is... It's a sacred moment. <laughs> Woo. No, I was considering... And I think I'm just going to go for it. I'm just going to give this one out of two mediocre letters. Really? Look, That's a 50%. I know. There's almost nothing there, but it's got a message. It gets in. Does it? And it gets out. I guess. It's it, it's very specific. <laughs> but But who cares? Who cares if it's specific? Why is that a good thing? It's a good thing because it means you can ignore it oh. if the message doesn't apply to you. All right. Well, I've had just about enough of this fucking Bible book. Let's crack open the mailbag. Let's crack the bag. Our listener, John, sent us an email with the amazing title, Unitarianism is the Cowpox of Christianity. There you have it, folks. About how he and his wife just had a baby and they plan to raise her Unitarian, the baby that is, instead of without religion, like he is. Although his wife's father was a Unitarian minister, mm -hmm. or is a Unitarian minister. Anyway, the goal of this is that the baby doesn't think of religion as the forbidden fruit. And then go too far in the other direction when she gets older. He compared it specifically to inoculating her with cowpox, so she doesn't get smallpox. Mm, regular Christianity is smallpox. That's right. But... Unitarianism, it's cowpox. Yeah, he's a re regular Louis pastor. Pastor. Oh, nice pun. Uh, he also sent us two cats to curse and a dog to bless. Uh, the cats are named Pinky and Emerson, and the dog is named Taco. Taco was only supposed to grow to 20 pounds, but he actually grew 
to 70 pounds. Good for him. Looking at that dog, it looks like a German Shepherd mix, uh, maybe with a cattle dog, maybe some like Rottweiler in there. Not small dogs. I think somebody lied to you, John. Mm -hmm. Uh, In any case, here's a blessing for Taco. Grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and from Jesus Christ, the Father's Son, will be with us in truth and love. And to Pinky and Emerson, I say, any cat who runs ahead and does not continue in the teaching of Christ does not have God. Those are that's like fifty percent of the book of Second John there that we just read. <laughs> that's why we didn't want to do a dramatic reading earlier because we knew we didn't want spoilies for the cat curses naturally. But that'll do it for this episode of Sunday School Dropouts. Big thank you to Bree for that interview and really bringing the back half of this show, frankly, up to the standard of what we expect because <laughs> the first was a mess. Um, thank you to Nico for music and editing. And thank you to Elise Carlton for our logo. You can follow us on Twitter at SunSchoolDrop. And you can follow me at Lauren E. O'Neill and Nico at, at Nico Bakulich. Uh, we have t-shirts at tpublic.com slash Sunday School Dropouts. That's tee.public.com slash Sunday School Dropouts. If you have dogs or cats to curse or bless or any other furred or scaled friend. Or uh, opinions about inoculation. That's right. You can send them all to contact at sundayschooldropouts.lol. That's contact at sundayschooldropouts.lol, not .com. Sundayschooldropouts.com is still the place where all of your unread messages from your inbox that you archive without ever reading, that's where they all go to live. That's where they go. And they have not forgotten what you've done. And they're very angry. You could also write us on iTunes. We would super, super appreciate it. It helps other people find the show. Um, And just, you know, generally makes us feel happy. That's right. We will be back next week with more Sunday School dropouts, more Bible, more you and me, the listeners. Desperately trying to make content. Yeah, that's right. Us just pushing that boulder up the hill for another couple days. All right. I will see you on Sunday. Bye.